Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rose? Well, we're going, we don't need Rose. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. No, I am your father. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello and welcome to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And Phil, it is bonus episode time. Are you feeling competitive? Yes, I'm ready to kick you to the curb, Mike. <laughs> well, listen, after the last few episodes, that uh, the last few bonus episodes we had, that might not be that difficult as I, I had a nice commanding 3-0 lead. And in our last three episodes, you have uh, narrowed that right up to a 3-3 tie. So yes, I've been on a losing streak. Yeah. So tonight is, I'm hoping, some uh, some redemption for me. Well, what I've learned with doing these bonus episodes, though, on the Quizmaster Death Match is that uh, you never can tell. It's true. Yeah. It's true. Well, for those people who aren't familiar with Quizmaster Death Match, we should tell them that uh, it is our, our quiz feature where Phil and I quiz each other on two of our favorite films, and we, uh, we keep score, and uh, we'll see at the end who the victor is, who knows their selected film better. Neither of us has studied for this. This is just sort of based on our years yeah. of rewatching these beloved movies. Uh, and uh, Phil, why don't you tell people how the scoring works so they know? Yeah, well, we asked six questions. The first two are worth a point each, and... Three and four are worth three points, and then the last two questions are worth five points each. So it can change all the way through uh, the contest. Yes, it it could be a nail biter. Although I think for the most part, it's been pretty much a you know a slaughter in one direction or the other every yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, that's this. true. You suddenly go blank, don't you? you? Get the first couple wrong, and you go, "Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know the film as well as I thought." Right, exactly. So, uh, but we we have fun with it, and uh, and hopefully you guys will enjoy it as well. Phil, what movies are we challenging each other on today? Well, I will be asking you questions about The Crow. Yes. And you're going to be asking me questions about The Big Lebowski. Yeah. So two movies we've done after the endings for already. You can check those out in some of our earlier episodes. Um, before we jump into our Quizmaster Deathmatch, which is going to happen momentarily, I do want to remind people about our contest. Oh, yes, of course, yeah. All you have to do is go to iTunes, leave us a review, take a screen cap, and email it to us at afterthendingatverizon.net. And if we select your name when we draw names at the beginning of the year, you will get to pick a movie for Phil and I to watch and review as our mini-feature in a future episode. So we will talk about one of your most beloved movies, whether it's good or bad, uh, and we will share our thoughts on it in the inimitable style of After the Ending. So Yes, yes, and it's... Uh... It's going to be interesting to see what people pick. I can't wait. So get those entries in, folks, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to steer us in a direction for a future episode. Yeah, so uh, send yeah post reviews, hopefully a five-star review, but, you know, tell us whatever you think about uh, the show. Uh, we, we look forward to reading everything you put down. Exactly. All right, Phil, well, why don't we jump then into the uh, the, the Quizmaster Deathmatch, and let's see who is going to break this 3-3 tie in this episode. So, yeah, it's a battle of the crow versus the dude. Yeah, should be interesting. Mm. Um, one totally kick-ass superhero and um, a guy in a bathroom. And the crow? Oh, sorry, yeah, I've got you now. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there, sir. Touché. Touché. Okay, I've got a beverage here, and I might go bowling after this. Is it a white Russian? Oh yes. Uh, see, I know. I know a little bit about the movie too. 
Oh, good stuff. Not enough to win this contest in trivia, but... <laughs> uh, all right, well, why don't I kick things off, then I'll give you the first question. Go on up. All right, so for one point, how many times does the dude say, man, in the movie? 147, 93, or 226? Oh, man. <laughs> that doesn't count. You don't get to fit an extra man in there. So what is it, 147, 90... 93, or 226? Yeah. Well, 93 doesn't sound enough. I'm going to go be the middle figure, so 147. You are correct, sir. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Yeah, okay. you got it. Nice job. Man, 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 man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the film The Crow, where is it set? That would be Detroit. Correct. All right. Ooh, so tie game both, already. Yeah, we're both. Yeah. With <laughs> <laughs> a whopping one point each. This is it. Okay. The next one. Okay. Okay, so... What amount is the check the dude writes at Ralph's for? Hmm. So it's like the milk isn't the half and half. Is it uh, 69 cents? It is 69 cents. Oh. You got it. <laughs> I was going, yeah. I had a feeling you'd get that one, but I wasn't I wasn't sure. I was like, I, I don't remember that part of the movie because, you know, I'm, I'm not really a big fan. So I was like, this sounds like something that you would remember and not like a throwaway yeah, moment. You know? I didn't put, I remember the scene. I didn't actually remember it was that, but I just thought, what would he write? Exactly. What would, what would the Colonel would? Yes. So that's a good question. All right. Nicely done. Okay. Uh, what is the name of Eric's band? Oh, wow. Um, this is one of those questions where I, the minute you tell me what it is, I'm going to sh kick myself because I'm, yeah. I know I know it. And it's like on the tip of my tongue, too. I can just like, it's like poking around the back of my brain. Like, you know this. Come on, take a guess. Come on. Is it, gosh, it's not coming to me. Um, it's the Children of the Night. No, nope. Uh, you're going to write, uh, you know, darkness. It's hangman's, hangman's joke. Right. Yep. See, I knew that. Yeah. All right, fine. Okay. Well, so now you're taking a lead again. This could be the beginning of the end for me. Well, we'll see. All right. On to the, the questions. We're three points now. Yes, now we're on to our three-point questions. Which song by the Eagles is playing as a flamenco version when the dude meets Jesus? Uh, Hotel California. That is correct. I knew that one. Yes. I figured you would. Okay. I do like the idea of the dude meeting Jesus when you just say it like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, no, I know yeah. it's a character in the film, yeah. but... Okay, then. Uh, what is the name of the cat found by Sarah? <sighs> the name of the cat is... Lucky. Nope. Nope. It is Gabriel. Gabriel. Man. I am. I better pick up on some of those five-point questions, or this yeah. is going to be another another landslide victory by you. Well, you know, can't rain all the time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's your second three-point question. Who served as the musical consultant for the film? Coincidentally, a person who hates the Eagles, which is why the dude hates the Eagles. Uh, T-Bone Burnett. That is correct. Phil, you are on a uh, on a roll to sweep this tonight. Well, You've gotten all four of your first questions right. I'm not feeling confident. You can still do it if you get if I get the next two wrong. You get the next yeah, well, two right. we'll see what happens. Okay, what gift does Eric give to the drug lord? Uh, he gives him the pain that he's caused to everybody else. Yeah, how how many hours of pain? Oh, it's um, 30 hours of pain. Correct. Yes. I was going to give you a multiple choice then, but you didn't need it. I didn't need it. That one I knew. <laughs> Excellent. All right, okay, all right. I'm back in it a little bit. There you go, there you go. All right, well, now we're on to our five-point questions. So... When Jeff Bridges tours as a musician in real life, what is the name of his supporting band? Now, I was watching an interview with Jeff Bridges the other day, and he mentioned uh, this. But oh, terrific. No, I can't think what it was. 
Uh-huh. The Lebowski's? No. Don't. Well, you're close, but yeah. it's not that. It is The Abiders. Ah, no, I wouldn't have got that. Which is why I felt like it was okay to put this in here, because it's technically still a kind of related to Big Yeah, it is, it is, If it yeah. wasn't related at all, I wouldn't have included it, but I thought that that made it, you no, know. that's a good question, and I just, I couldn't remember. It was only last week as well. It's only last week or so. I'm <laughs> about it. Yeah, well, you know. Okay. Here's your first five-pointer. All right. How does Sarah like her eggs? Oh, man. Sunny side up. <sighs> No, over easy. Over easy. Who likes their eggs over easy? Sarah does. I don't even know what over easy is. What? I only eat eggs two ways, scrambled or omelets. That's it. I don't know what over easy means. Well, you're, you're, it's an American term. It must, you must know. I've heard it. I mean, you know, I know what I've heard of eggs over easy, but I, I, if somebody asked me to cook them eggs over easy, I would have no idea what to do with them. I think you cook them one side and then you flip them for like a, a few seconds. And then mm. put them, I think. Yeah. yeah. No idea. Yeah. See, you don't know either. No, but that's how Sarah likes them. <laughs> that is, that's good to know. Yeah. All right. Ooh, okay then. All right. Well, so much for my redemption on that five-point question. Let's see what we got. <laughs> we got one more five-pointer for you, and it is this. The dude calls the Big Lebowski a human paraquat. What is a paraquat? Is it a fruit? It is not a fruit. It is fruit-related, however. It is actually an herbicide. Ah, okay. Oof, that's yes, good. I didn't know that. That's a good question. I, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. It was one of those things like I thought maybe you would have... Yeah. No, you know, like somehow it'd be some of those things where I could see you coming across it at some point. You know, no, I never, never come across that one. I know that another line, but oh, okay. Well, now you know. Okay, this one is uh, you can get a point for each name you get right in the right order. But okay, here we go. What order does Eric kill the gang? Oh man! So there's four names. Okay, and you'll get you'll get one right. point for every one in orders, and if you get them all right, then you get full five points. All right. So, um, all right. Here's what here's. I'm gonna say it's it's gonna go in this order. Skank, T-Bird, n- third member whose name I can't remember, and then Fun Boy. So you said Skank, T-Bird, one you can't remember, and then Fun Boy. Yes. The answer is actually Tintin, Fun Boy, T-Bird, and Skank. So I was completely backwards. <laughs> yeah, backwards. <laughs> awesome. Mm. All right. Well, good question. All right. Well, well time to add up those scores. Yes, let's see. Pretty sure I know how I did, but go ahead and give me the bad news. I've got that you've got four points in total. And you have eight points total, so I have to relinquish my crown as the champion of Quizmaster Deathmatch and hand it to you, sir, because you are now ahead four to three. Well, it could all change next time. It could indeed. It could indeed. Well done. All right. Well, there you go. So those are uh, some some fun trivia about The Crow and The Big Lebowski. Yeah, I enjoyed those questions. Yeah, I thought they were fun. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, well, here's hoping I do better next time. There's always next time. That's right. Well played, sir. Well played. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so that was the Quizmaster Deathmatch. Do you, uh, I think we've got some interviews lined up. Do you want to tell the listeners about it, Mike? Uh, yes, they are They are pretty exciting. Our first one is from the new NBC hit time travel show called Timeless uh, that was created by Eric Kripke, the creator of Supernatural, and stars Matt Lanter, Abigail Spencer, uh, Malcolm Barrett, and Goran Vizhnik. And uh, I actually spoke to each and every one of these lovely individuals, and so uh, we are going to... Uh, share the interviews here. I think you'll find that they're all quite uh, very nice people and had a lot of interesting things to say about shooting a time travel show. So why don't we start with Matt Lanter, who is devilishly handsome in real life, actually. I mean, of course, he is on the show, too, but in person, it's kind of actually intimidating. Um, (laughs) But uh, you may know him best, actually, for playing Anakin Skywalker on Star Wars The Clone Wars. That is uh, something he is uh, quite popular for. He was the voice of Anakin. So let's hear what Matt has to say about Timeless. What's going on, guys? How much? How are you? I'm well. 
Good. Yeah, really well. Uh, yeah, having fun, you know. Glad to be here. Cool. So what's the most exciting thing about working on a time travel TV series? I think the most exciting thing is just is is being on these new sets and new time periods and new costumes every week. And I, I enjoy history. I've always enjoyed it in school. And to, to kind of live it and be it is pretty cool. And, um, you know, we, we get to go on an adventure every single week. Can you talk about some of the, the, the challenges of having to get into a new mindset every week as you travel to these different time periods? Yeah, well, I mean, at the end of the day, the characters are constant, you know. Um, so we are, uh, from a practical standpoint, trying to move. And, I, of course, you know, being a soldier, there's, there's a lot of activity. I do a lot of fighting. It's not a spoiler. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, to have to do fighting in, like, massive wool coats and... I have no idea how these guys fought wars back then. Like, I really don't. Because, like, my boots suck. My calves were sore. You know, walking around the Alamo and, like, you know, boots that are not really made for feet. Like, I don't know how they, they fought wars. I mean, I guess it's why they lined up and just shot each other. Because they couldn't move. So, uh, yeah, I suddenly have a new understanding of why war was the way it was. Um, but the challenges of that are, are interesting. And, um, you know, the weaponry. I mean, I just... These guys had balls of steel right. I mean, to line up and try to shoot each other with like muskets that might or might not have gone off mm -hmm. at any moment it's just um, I feel like I've learned a lot you know just by dressing in the costume and being on the sets and holding the weapons and you know what these people actually went through the three of you guys as actors kind of got thrown together without knowing each other and sort of got thrown into this mix right away did yeah. you find that it, it went to a really quick bonding experience I think it is a quick bonding experience I mean just the experience of uh, you know, have, shooting the pilot and shooting this type of pilot is a bonding experience in and of itself. But it was really great the way it happened because neither of us actually were even familiar with each other's work or anything, even as actors. So, um, you know, of course, we didn't know each other. So it kind of was great and authentic because that's what the team is. And, um, you know, I feel like not the team, you know, obviously doesn't know each other on a personal level or what they're capable of. Um, and we see little moments like that. I don't want to give them away, but we see moments where Wyatt's really impressed with Lucy or Lucy's really impressed with Wyatt or we're really impressed with the things that, that Rufus knows and can do. Um, it's kind of cool because we each are very specialized and, and you know, we've set that up and we don't forget that. We, we see how these specialties and, you know, we see how these things, uh, abilities uh, round out the team. You obviously have a lot of on-camera experience and voice acting experience. Are there things you like better about one than the other and vice versa? Yeah, you don't have to brush your teeth when you do voiceover. <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, there are definitely, definitely differences. I love both for both reasons, a lot of different reasons. But, like, with voice acting, you, you don't have to worry about your costume and moving and fighting and wool coats. You don't have to worry about how you look or anything when you're... You can make the goofiest faces as long as you're expressing what you want that character to express and in your voice. You don't have to worry about lighting. You don't have to worry about hitting marks and blocking someone else's light. You have to worry about props. But at the same time, sometimes you don't even get another actor to play off of. Oftentimes you are by yourself. When we did the Clone Wars, we, we were usually always in the booth together. That was a really good thing. Doing Spider-Man, we were in the booth. But I've done a lot of like, you know, Disney stuff uh, and you know, Warner Brothers films. Uh, uh, like the, I'm sorry, the Justice League stuff, you know, where it's just me. I don't talk to any of the other people. It's just me in a booth. So those are the challenges. But also voiceover is like being a kid in a sandbox. It's kind of like we all did this when we were kids, right? right? It's like we all were voiceover artists. 
and you give voices and you give personalities to little kid uh, to little figurines and sandboxes and you know whatever Barbies and just you make up stories and that was one of the most cool and creative and fun and freeing things doing voiceovers you know pretending to be on a different planet riding some dragon you know that Anakin has has leashed and lassoed and you know and it's cool and and voiceover you got to trust your voice director and we loved Dave Filoni you know with Star Wars you got to trust them very much because they're the ones that are going to tell you no this dragon is five feet away from you not 50 feet so you you know because you can look like a fool unless you trust them but uh but it, it's great for different reasons. I mean, it's just so fun and creative and freeing. And Dave really let us play a lot. And he really trusted us with the characters. Um, and, I, you know, I, I felt like we made some really great stuff, you know, with Star Wars. So. Next up, we have Abigail Spencer, who also starred in Oz the Great and Powerful and the TV show Rectify. And she is, of course, one of the leads on the show. And she was fantastic. So here's what she has to say. Hi, Abigail. How are you? Hi, good. How are you guys? Great, thank you. So, tell us all the secrets that you're not allowed to tell us. I, I feel like I could tell you where where we're going to go from here. Is it's going to be matching the histor- the week to week historical drama of like where did Flynn go in time, and how is Time Team going to go back and try and preserve or stop or find Flynn, and then mixed with how the present is changed by every, all those little shifts in the past. So that's part of it too. Is that you know now there's this introduction of the butterfly effect, particularly in Lucy's life. And what what has happened? What did they do at the Hindenburg that is now affecting her present? And then the other kind of third element is the time team, like the relationship between the, you know Rufus, Wyatt, and Lucy, and what's going to happen to them as they're thrown into the situation and literally literally thrown through time, and how they're going to deal with it because they all have different points of view. Obviously, sending a female and African American back in time is very a very interesting way to talk about the past. You know, pretty well-known historical times, but you're going to learn something about that specific date or that specific time period that you've never heard of before. I mean, I really have learned a lot being a part of the show, and we have a historian in the room who's kind of curating everything for the writers. You mentioned that it's difficult changing costumes and looks and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, well, it's very challenging. Yeah. Right. Is it going to be constant throughout the series? Are we ever going to have episodes where it's just taking place in your timeline? I hope so. I hope so. I mean, I think, I think we have to earn that, though. I think we really have to establish the rules of the time travel. I think we have to establish all the characters. And then I absolutely think that we can start opening it up. I mean, there's already one episode that's going to break all the rules that we've already established, but it still happens in the past. But you're going to join them already on the journey instead of kind of more the classical, like starting the present and going the past and then coming back. Um, we'll, we'll have to get to that point, but I think we have to earn everyone's trust before we start doing that. Right. Makes sense. Can you talk a little bit about Lucy's relationship with Flynn? They have a really interesting conversation Yeah, and in the second episode, you'll see they have another conversation that's just like, you know, I think Flynn and Lucy are connected in a way that she's completely unaware of. And he obviously has a journal that looks like Lucy's handwriting that he's using as his guidebook for doing what he's doing. And, I, so, you know, back to this kind of, you know, metaphysical or more the spiritual questions, is Lucy Preston, does she even know who she fully is? And I think that's going to be like a, a more, a long-running thing is who is Lucy Preston and what, what is, why was she really chosen for this journey? And Rittenhouse, that name Rittenhouse, is going to keep coming up again and again and be kind of the underbelly, again, supporting the week-to-week. But some of these Easter eggs that they're dropping right now are, are really going to be the ongoing stories. 
Next, we have Malcolm Barrett, who has been seen on Key and Peel and also starred in The Hurt Locker. And uh, he is a very enthusiastic gentleman. We had a lot of fun talking to him. And, uh, and here is his take on the show. As you've been traveling through time periods, has there been anything that surprised you? I'm surprised every episode because, you know, what these guys do with every episode is they deal with a significant historical moment in, in time, and then they also deal with something you didn't know. Um, uh, I can tell you with, like, the first two episodes, like, people don't know that I think two-thirds of the Hindenburg survived. Um, like, most of the people on there survived. Um, which I think most people probably didn't realize and or realize like even why it exploded you know the whole thing with the mooring ropes and all of this and not being uh, and being grounded and stuff like that same with uh, Lincoln's assassination that was a bigger conspiracy there's supposed to be about three or four people to get killed and they didn't it's, it's a lot of fun seeing that I've learned something every episode you know when we go to World War two I don't know if everyone knows that Ian Fleming was a spy you know and that he he you know he is James Bond you know what I mean it's sort the same way like the guys from Homicide and whoever else like uh, or from The Wire um, you know have worked with cops or there's cops that work there and then come come to the show and so that's kind of happening now it's uh, with Ian Fleming you know he was a spy and then wound up writing all these sort of James Bond novels um, and so that was really fun because we essentially have James Bond in our third or fourth episode what do you think fans are going to connect with most about the show is it, is it me the as a character oh, that's a good answer the characters is the time travel you know the science fiction aspects is it all of the above I think it's all of the above because we throw everything at you <laughs> like we throw three completely different people at you you know what I mean in terms of Lucy and me and Wyatt, you know, these are complete. I think you find yourself in at least one of these people. They're all very human and very flawed. Um, you'll find yourself in one of them. And then outside of that, we're traveling through time and kicking ass with all this sci fi crap and huge machines and worrying and like, you know, all these things. There's huge set pieces. There's this huge historical aspect. There's this swashbustling aspect. And that someone's getting shot every episode. <laughs> like, right. there's someone is shooting and running. I've already, as the engineer, have been involved in more fights and hostage taking than I ever thought I would. Um, just as a character, like as an actor going into the show, I never thought that I'd go on the adventures that I'm going on, even with traveling through time. I never thought I'd be doing the things that the character winds up doing. Next up, we have Goran Viznik, of course, best known for his role on ER for several years, um, and he's been in a million other things. I mean, really, he's he's definitely one of those actors who, you know, has a very uh, extensive resume, and he was very cool to talk to. He plays the villain on Timeless, uh, and, and he was uh, exceptionally nice in real life, but he plays the villain really well. So here he is talking about playing the bad guy. Hello, hello. Hi, how's hello. it going? Good, how are you guys? Very good. So your character is a bit of a mystery. Why don't you tell us all of the secrets? Um, okay. <laughs> Just to start with the <laughs> Can't do that, all but right. I, can tell you, I can tell you some things maybe. I can hint some Give things. us some hints. Um, well, as we see from the episode one, he has this uh, diary that uh, we believe that it's, it is Lucy's handwriting. And on the end of episode one, we see that he's looking at the moon landing, and which was actually... Just 
when they ask me, you know, Goran, find something interesting in that book, you know, that we can record. I'm like, I just have something. So I put the moon landing intentionally and I said, I said to the writers, we need to now make a story about this, which we're making right, right. now, by the right. way. Yeah. So it's fun to be on a show that it's uh, kind of like in development, so you can kind of influence it a little bit, notch it this direction, that direction. But about Flynn, he honestly does believe that what he does is for the greater good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Eric Kripke famously said that he hates the shows that tease audience indefinitely. So we're going to be getting answers fairly quickly. And by episode seven, you're going to find out why is he doing it and who is he fighting and what happened to his family. Uh, he's going to have a scene with Wyatt when he does that. And now, are you going to believe Flynn or are you going to be believing Wyatt, who probably thinks it's psychological warfare, what Flynn does, and basically trying to pull him on his side? Uh, and that's going to be part of the mystery, but it's going to be, hopefully, we think that after you finish watching the show and your, you know, your family members are going to be disagreeing or, you know, he's going to be, I believe Wyatt. No, no, I believe Flynn. So that's kind of what we're aiming for. It's going to be a lot of these things that some people are going to actually believe what Flynn says. Some people are going to think that he's lying. Right. And it's going to also be a lot about these things. Would you do this or would you save this person or would you do what Lucy did or would you do what Flynn did? And uh, it's going to be quite interesting. You've played so many different kinds of roles in your career. Is this, I mean, obviously what attracted you to the, con the character seems to be the complexity of it. Is it something that you were looking to do? Were you looking for something specific when this came along? Or was it just something that attracted you to it because it was a great script and great people? No, th this, this pilot season I was openly looking for something to do. And uh, there was actually, this is, this is the first time in my career that all these things came together. Mm -hmm. Like... A couple of times in the past, it would be great projects. I mean, ER, I didn't want to talk about it. That was that was so amazing that, you know, it was like a beautiful run, great people, interesting storylines. I mean, as an actor, you can just wish for them. But this thing now is, I was, little known fact, if I had never, if I didn't end up being an actor, I would end up being a professor of history and geography back in my hometown. I really loved history all my life. I loved science fiction. I started with the fairy tales when I was a kid and kind of graduated into science fiction after that, which was like a logical uh, step after fairy tales. So this project's come along and together with Sean Ryan and Eric Kripke creating together something, I mean, it's kind of like two worlds colliding. It's like Democrat, Republican creating a government <laughs> together. I really want to see the show, you know, and I now I have an opportunity to be a part of the show because as a sci-fi fan, I know you guys like science fiction probably if you're here. Which I think we can do. <laughs> you know how difficult it is to find a really good sci-fi project? So now you answer me one question. What's Indiana Jones? Which genre? You say adventure, okay, but wait a second, what about the Ark of Covenant opening and the ghosts are coming out? That's not adventure anymore. You jump into sci-fi territory here. So this is what we're doing. You know, it's it's a strong drama adventure show. It has funny moments. You know, the closest to explain would be something like Indiana Jones. But it's, again, I think it's, uh, it's going to be original in the concept about answering these things like exactly, would you do that? Would you save Abraham Lincoln from being assassinated? I mean, first question, first answer is immediately, oh my God, yes, of course. I mean, it's gonna be, the United States is gonna be better for so many reasons, but then what if 100 years from now, something happens down the line that our society becomes so much more peaceful? Let's say we don't wanna invest in Manhattan Project, you know, and Germans develop atomic bomb before us, and the Second World War is suddenly, we're jumping into like, uh, Amazon, uh, you know, uh, what is man it, the man in the high castle. castle. I mean, it's like, you know, don't change anything. So it's going to be a lot of these questions that are going to be tricky to answer. And 
some audience member is going to be, I would love to do this. And no, 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 you're crazy. If you do that, this is going to happen. So it can be as many realities as, as people watching the show. And that's what's going to make it interesting. And finally, we have the show's creator, Eric Kripke, who, like I mentioned earlier, also created Supernatural, which is a show I'm a huge fan of. And so I'm a big fan of Eric Kripke in general. Uh, And he was really awesome, actually. Very, very fun guy, really smart, uh, very enthusiastic. And we, we had a real nice conversation. So here is Eric Kripke. Hi, guys. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks for coming out. So it seems like you wanted to make yourself a really easy TV show, so you decided let's travel to a different time period every single week. Yeah, so, yeah, so you know, I had, I had done Supernatural, and at the time I had done Supernatural, which was uh, a show that, you know, under my tenure had no standing sets and was an entirely different, you know, town every week. I said to myself... How could I make that even harder? Right. Uh, so we came up with the idea of doing a different historical period uh, every week. This show is uh, creatively uh, the most fun I think I've ever had. Um, logistically, by a mile, it's the hardest show I've ever produced. Right. It's insane. And um, I think the audience will really be the beneficiary of uh, an incredible amount of blood, sweat, and tears because um, we're thrilled with how it's coming off. But yeah, this is a damn hard show to make. Um, because, you, you know, we're only doing it, you know, every, every place we're going, every world we're building, it's only for one episode. Right. We built Ford's Theater, you know, for the and built it a historically accurate one, shot it, tore it down. We built the Alamo in a Vancouver parking lot, shot it, tore it down. We're building Mission Control, NASA, 1969. We're going to shoot it once and tear it down. And um, it, it's incredible. It's so fun to watch the episodes and see how different the worlds are, you know, when I'm looking at cuts in the editing room. Um, but I, I really do look forward to the headline of Timeless Producer Dies of Stroke on Toilet. <laughs> <laughs> there are some genre shows <coughs> lost that have uh, kind of lost their way along the way because they didn't know how to finish things. Are you guys mapped out to a, an end point where you can solve all the mysteries, you know what everything means? I mean, here's the um, here's the truth, and any showrunner who tells you different is lying. <laughs> um, you never have like the years and years and years years plan. It's right. just you can't hold it all in your brain. Sure. Even Supernatural, where I kind of had like this. There's this like, oh, Eric had this famous five-year plan. The truth is, is I knew what the first season was, mm-hmm. and then I had these cocktail napkin sketches of what I hoped was going to happen from there. Right. And I would say that's true here. Um, you know, we have a pretty solid sense of what season one is. Mm-hmm. We have a reasonable sense of what season two is, and then a couple ideas of what. And that's how you do it. I mean, it. The best way to describe it is it's like a roadmap, mm-hmm. and and. We're in LA and we want to get to New York, and we know it's somewhere in the middle we want to hit Chicago. And that's how a season of television really operates, which is because you want to leave room for your writers to surprise you. And so you know that if you meander and hey, maybe we'll go check out the Grand Canyon, but like, but we got to hit Chicago, and then you do, and then you hit New York, and that's really how it goes. I mean, that said, the one thing I will say. Um, you know, and look, I, my last show was a bad robot show, and so I have great affection for those guys. Um, I am not a fan of endless teases and endless mysteries. I think anyone who watches my work mm-hmm. sort of know that I like a very kind of um, 
healthy kind of muscled approach to storytelling. I don't see why it's wrong to answer questions. I don't because almost every question can open the door to a bigger and scarier question. Yep. So I, to me, and then the longer you withhold a question, the more amazing the payoff has to be, and then you start to collapse under your own weight. Yep. So, uh, for instance, in this show, within the first 10 episodes, we're going to answer who Rittenhouse is, what they want, what they're all about. Um, but once you learn that, it gets scarier, right. because now we know who they are and what they're about, and what they're about is something really scary. Right. So um, I can promise... For fans who catch into the show, they will be rewarded in short order to the answers to these questions. Um, I, I want people to feel like they're in the hands of confident storytellers. Excellent interviews there. It's, uh, I've seen the first episode of the show, and it's uh, most enjoyable. It's good take on time travel. Uh, it looks good as well. There's, uh, I think they're focused on the actual getting the historical events uh, correct. And it started here last week uh, in Britain on... E4, so you can catch it there on a Wednesday. Excellent. Yeah, it is a fun show. I, I like it quite a bit. So uh, check that out, and hopefully you enjoyed these interviews. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for our bonus episode, short and sweet. Hopefully you enjoyed listening to those interviews and listening to Phil kick my butt for the fourth episode <laughs> in a row. Uh, next week I am going to come back stronger as we have another bonus episode, and we will have some more great interviews as well as another Quizmaster Deathmatch in which hopefully I will redeem myself. Well, you can hope. <laughs> yes, my, my confidence is flagging after, you know, four losses in a row. So, uh, it's and mine it's is just getting bigger all the time. Yeah, well, pride goeth before the fall, my friends. So. I don't believe that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, thank you everybody for listening. We will be back uh, very shortly with another bonus episode to wrap things up at the end of the year. If you're listening to this right as it came out, uh, it should be out right before Christmas. So, uh, once again, Merry Christmas to everybody and Happy Holidays. Yeah, have, have a great Christmas, everyone. All right, well, thank you again for listening. As always, I'm Mike Spring. I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next week. After the ending. If we offer a multiple choice, at least then there is a chance that you can logic it out. You know That's what I'm saying? Cool, yeah. That's a good idea, so, actually, yeah. Yeah, so, because I'm saying that for a reason. <laughs> oh, okay. You might have guessed. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Yep. Nope, lost my train of thought. Okay. Not a very long train to begin with, so. Yeah. Uh, this train of thought hasn't even left the station. <laughs> That's right. The memory is the second thing to go. Uh, yeah, they say the memory is the second thing to go as well. <laughs> okay, here's your... You're supposed to say, what's the first? Thank you very much. Jeez. What's the what? You're, when I say the memory is the second thing to go, you're supposed to go, what's the first? Oh, yeah, what's the first? What's that? <laughs> what's the first thing? What? <laughs> you get it? See? Yeah, I got it. It's not funny anymore, but... No. And, uh, all right, well, that's going to wrap it up for our, our bonus feature, our bonus episode. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you next week so no I can't say that alright oh it's been a while since I messed up the ending but look there it is <laughs> the classics always come around again <laughs>